Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luhr, and I'm excited to cross over today to Geneva, Switzerland, to catch up with my good friend, Stefan Schindler of CAA11. Welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Welcome, Marcus, and thanks for the, for, for the, work, for the hosting. Oh, no, I look forward to this. Uh, you know, We know each other for many years, uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun talking about some of our you know, previous lives. And then, of course, we'll be digging deep into what TAA 11 is doing and, and all the amazing things, of course, here over the last few years. But let me quickly introduce you a little more to our listeners here who might not know you that well. So Stefan currently is the is a co-founder and a managing partner in CA11, the agency which represents UEFA and all the national team media rights and other commercial rights linked to the qualification matches uh, UEFA has, as well, of course, as the big euro, which obviously was just this year. And clearly, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about what happened there and, and you know, all the challenges around it. But Stefan has been in this industry for many, many years, all the way counting back to the, the mid-90s, starting there with Eurosport and Canal Plus, and then with several agencies, IMG and Lagadere. So we're going to touch on all this and going to hear the story stories directly from Stefan. So Stefan, let's go back how it all sort of started. Um, it's doing your master degree and uh, then starting here at Eurosport. Talk, take us back to those times. Yeah, thanks, Marcus. A long journey. <laughs> let's <laughs> try to be uh, as consistent as possible. So uh, hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for the hosting. Um, so uh, as you mentioned, I start my career in, uh, in mid, mid, mid of the 90s. Uh, I, I was very lucky to start in a fantastic company uh, named Eurosports. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I start in a marketing position uh, at Eurosports. Uh, and I effectively start as an intern at Eurosports. Oh, wow. Luckily at this time, uh, it was a fantastic opportunity uh, to jump on uh, uh, marketing and promotion activities of Eurosports France. At this time, developing all the relationship of Eurosports in the sports in the French uh, world of sport, right. uh, it means that I I try to develop uh, many partnership with uh, all the French federation and mainly the federation that Eurosports are working with uh, in terms of broadcasting to try to do marketing operation and stuff like that. Mm. To be fair, it was uh, one of my. Uh, best uh, journey and best uh, time in this business. Uh, I was young and fresh and I have a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, that must have been quite early days for Eurosport as well, right? I mean, I have to admit, I didn't check when it, when the company was founded, but, you know, mid-90s, no, yeah. I can't be, they can't have been around that long. I mean, cable really just started, right? So exactly. it must have been really early days, right? Exactly. It was the golden age of uh, the cable mm -hmm. and uh, Eurosports were at this time a very, the, you know, the, the leader by far of all uh, uh, cable, sports cable uh, uh, channel in, uh, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, at this time, it was only in Europe, obviously, Eurosports. Yeah. And uh, the funny things of that, it was, it was, I, I, I start directly to learn all strategic and political uh, interaction in this industry because Eurosport at this time were, were owned by both TF1, the okay. network, the French network, you know, yeah. and Canal Plus. Right. They, they have a joint venture in, in Eurosports, and I used to work for Eurosports France. Uh, it was a GV made by these two big companies uh, to drive uh, cable uh, lead, uh, leading cable networks 
uh, for sports in France. And it was very interesting to, to, to leave that. And I have the chance to live with a lot of uh, good, good people and uh, helping me to to uh, deep dive in this uh, in this industry, I will say in the broad the sports broadcasting industry. To be mm-hmm. fair, yeah, to, to be, to the, the part the I also group. like is what you said that you were an intern when you joined, and I've heard this so many times with other guests. Um, you know, there's so many who are now CEOs and running big companies, and, and they did start as interns. So you know, I always say that out for our younger listeners here that you know don't take these things. Uh, you know, they're serious, right? There are great opportunities to get into these kind of companies, and and you know. You might have just, you know, have to sweat it out a bit. But uh, if you do a right good job, then, you know, there is huge opportunities on the back of it. So you're another great example of that, of course. Um, yeah, definitely. It will, it, will, it will be definitely my 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 advice and my first recommendation to any young people who wants to ju- to, to to work in this industry. Let's let's be courageous and let's jump on every opportunity you yeah, could have absolutely. in this industry. And I was really re- lucky in this sense because I, I I have an internship. It was great. But yeah. on top of that, this internship was in, with a very, very strong brand and, and, uh, and company, you know, absolutely. so yeah, the learning so, you have, I'm sure is, is huge, right? So, so you've been about spent about three years there. I think you ended up as the head of promotion there at the end and and then i think from that it already then you i guess you ended up at canal plus um as a you know in a new role there as a, i guess what i see here is head of acquisition right so how did you then move on I mean, you mentioned already that canal plus obviously was a shareholder in eurosport so how does that sort of transition then happen yeah, you exactly touch base with the fact that uh, your TF1 uh, and Canal Plus were shareholder of Eurosport. So obviously, there were there was a very important link between the two companies. And uh, in the in the beginning of the of '98, uh, before a very important year for in France with the World Cup in in yes. France in. Uh, in uh, 98, sorry, not uh, 28, but 98, um, it was it was this opportunity to join Canal Plus uh, Sports Department, mm-hmm. which at this time were the biggest by f- one of the biggest, if not the biggest, sports uh, broadcasting department in Europe. You know, with the Sky in the UK, I, I have to say it was a very very strong entity. You, you, if you remember where you were already in this business at this time, Canal Plus were very very strong and big buyer. Absolutely. So I have this opportunity thanks to the, the connection between Eurosports and Canal Plus and I have also this opportunity to join I will say a new landscape a new business which is the, the sports business and the acquisition uh, industry uh, sell and acquisition industry of the of this business totally different with promotion and marketing yeah. uh, but uh, I learned the, I learned the way a, a broadcaster were working during three years at Eurosports, and thereafter I learned a job, you know. And my right. job were were to to develop my uh, relationship with right holders in order in order to acquire at the best best price for Canal Plus uh, the rights of a major competition and small competition. Right. And the very interesting things at this time it was that. Canal Plus were at, at the crossroad of his uh, of his uh, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just right after the the golden age of Canal Plus, where the, the the subscription and the growing up like hell, and it was a time where a, a full reorganization of Canal Plus of this pay TV broadcaster uh, start. It was one of the first, you know, right, right. reorganization. And and at this time. 
was also the time where Canal Plus try uh, begins to uh, to uh, make a lot of diversification in, in his activity. And one of these diversification were the creation of a sports business agency right. named Sport Plus at yes, this time, right. which finally merged. Sport Plus merged with Jean-Claude Darmon and, and uh, Ufa Sports at this yes. time. It's a long story. Yeah, but coming back to, right. to my position, I joined Canal Plus in order to take over the acquisition position from uh, Jérôme Valk. First of all, to work with Jérôme Valk. Ah, right. okay. I was just going to ask, yeah, okay. Exactly. He, he was my first boss at Canal Plus. Yeah, he was also. the one I knew. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but really, right after I joined Canal Plus, uh, Jérôme left and, uh, to, to lead the Sport Plus agency. Mm -hmm. uh, by Canal Plus also, but lead that. And really, right after, I think a few months after, it was this merger between Sport Plus and Jean-Claude Darmon and Ufa Sports. Yeah. So we all in order to create what what you knew about the sports five company so therefore i was left on my own at canal plus because ultimately right. i was a broadcaster and i was taking over the acquisition of of uh, the rights for canal plus and it was fantastic you know to be okay i was perhaps a little bit young i was perhaps a little bit unexperienced at this time but the curving the the learning curve was uh, amazing you know yeah, and I, I had the chance to be able to negotiate and discuss and and, uh, and spend time with uh, most if not all the major rights holder in sports uh, right. in this industry yeah. uh, from the nba uh, to the to the UEFA to 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 the French leagues and so on and so on. So yeah, they all come running to you, right? Because you know yeah, you have some money for them. <laughs> them. You know, and it was a very and uh, I have to say, you know, uh, it changed a little bit today. But uh, at this time, uh, this business of uh, sports, what we name our, our media sports business, mm. were very very uh, small and, uh, and, and and small business. You know, yeah. uh, very limited number of people. And I remember because. Uh, I will, perhaps I will do this time the 20 second or 24th time uh, in the Sportel, yes. Monaco. And uh, I have to say this time it was a very different one, you know, yeah. <laughs> very small. Uh, and you remember well, like, because you were also in this, uh, in this business, you know. And um, so uh, I spent two very exciting years at Canal Plus. Mm. Uh, not enough, perhaps. Uh, but uh, but uh, two years after I joined Canal Plus, I had the opportunity to uh, to join uh, what is for me uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, and definitely the, the the historical sports agency IMG uh, in Paris. Uh, and thanks again to my connection, uh, I made the connection I made uh, in Canal Plus, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because obviously uh, IMG were representing a lot of rights holders, especially international rights holders. Yep. And obviously, I, I create a lot of links with uh, the the IMG people, you know. Yep. And uh, and in 2000, when uh, Michel Grache, my good old friends that mm -hmm. you know, yes. who run also a, a French Open. Left IMG, he proposed me, say, hey, guys, do you want to, to join IMG to replace me? You know, and at this time, I, frankly, I said, no, you know, I'm, I have to learn a lot again. In, uh, and I can do, a, I have still a, a run at Canal Plus, so I will perhaps stay at Canal Plus. And, uh, and after, uh, you know, three to four months, 
uh, after I say politely, and I was not convinced about that, but to, I'd say no. He came back and I had a very interesting meeting and I remember that uh, all my life with uh, Mr. Masculier, uh, Michel Masculier, that Masculier know, sure. which is uh, one of the most uh, known um, executive in this industry. And he called me and said, I want to see you. So we have a very fantastic uh, meetings discussing about all and all and nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, as he, as he was a, one of the best sell, salesmen in the world, <laughs> then he sells me uh, uh, the fact that I joined IMG. So yeah, I joined you're IMG. You're excited, yes. Which I is not IMG. difficult, right? I mean, uh, I, I, you know, this is funny when I listen to you because I've had these conversations many times when I hired other people right, for TSA. And I always say, look, it's not hard for me to get you excited over the industry and what we're doing. Right? It's going to be a bit harder when we start, you know, salaries and other stuff. But I said to get you excited over what sports industry is about. You know, if you are into, if you like sports, that is the easiest part because it is just such an amazing business. Right? So I'm sure that's exactly what you what you heard from him uh, talking about IMG and all the great things they were doing at that time, right? Definitely, and I, I should have started by that. I, I am very lucky, and I feel still very lucky to have the chance to work in an industry that uh, that that is a passion, you know. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, when I when I start my my uh, my last degrees in the university in France, I was. Uh, make a pit stop and I say, what I, what do I want? Do I want to work in a, in a, in a finance, in marketing, whatever? And ultimately, I make myself clear. It makes myself clear that I want I want to work uh, and to be passionate by my work. And my two passions were the media and the sports. Mm. So ultimately, when you look about my career, I'm, I feel very lucky because, yeah. again, Okay, perhaps it's a lot of work. So definitely, as you mentioned, uh, you need to give a lot of uh, very strong message that uh, it felt not like that. You know, you work a lot and each time you change, it's a new challenge. Yeah. It's a very difficult uh, industry, but uh, it's a passion, you know, and uh, and, uh, and my passion of sports uh, is there from the beginning. You know? So let's, so let's, talk, let's talk a bit about IMG a bit. Yeah. Well, all the, what were yeah. in, in, you were the head of sort of media in France. Uh, exactly. Um, I so was, what does I that was, mean? You in this case, now you're selling the rights, I'm assuming, right? Or yeah, not right? only, uh, it was, it was the beauty of the stuff because when I was at Canal Plus, I, I only buy the rights mm-hmm. for the broadcaster. So I was, let's say at the end of the chain yep. and here with IMG, I discover every intermediation businesses Mm -hmm. in sports, you know, and in media sports, because as you know, IMG is bigger than that. It's touch base with sponsorship, with licensing, with uh, player agents, stuff like that. But I was focused on media. But in media, you have many, many things, you know. So at this time, you know, with my learnings at Canal Plus also as a broadcaster, I try to develop production business. I develop also acquisition you know mm-hmm. for for IMG right. uh, to develop uh, to develop new businesses for the the, the right sales of IMG right. but uh, but uh, targeting the french uh, rights holder mm. so uh, typically one of them is uh, in is in my mind is uh, France Gallo the french horse racing mm-hmm. uh, 
authority uh, that uh, that I, uh, that we bid uh, with ING to 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 sell the rights, the international rights of the French horse racing authority uh, in the world. Right. You know, you know, French uh, horse racing and French horse racing in particular. There is very well known competition, and we we, we had a, we were very excited to develop that. For example, in Asia yeah. or in Middle East and stuff, place like that. And 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 typically, it's why my 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 time at IMG were amazingly exciting because every single days, you are touching base with a new job. Right. One day you are, you are meeting with a broadcaster and you have to sell him the portfolio of IMG. Yeah. Uh, is it the British Open, the Ryder Cups, or the Rugby World Cup? Yeah. And the day after you spend your time with the uh, with the French right holder, yeah. uh, France Gallo, as I mentioned, also the French leagues, and you try to convince them that the IMG network is the best network yes. uh, to sell the to sell the rights. I in love the world. It. Yeah, that's been my world for 25 years too. I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great story. It's why, it's why I perfectly understand. And you know, uh, sometimes we spend during some period we spend a lot of time discussing together, and uh, yeah. and I perfectly understand what you, what you are doing. And first of all, the difficulties of what are doing the agency, but also the excitation and the, and and ultimately that's an entrepreneur business. Okay, I was at IMG, I was an employee of IMG, but it was a pure entrepreneur business. You know, yeah. you have to develop yourself. You don't wait that somebody is telling you what you have to do. You yeah. are moving on. Okay, you have part of your job which are focused. Okay, you need to sell uh, uh, the rugby World Cup, the the tennis tournament, or whatever. You know, that's for sure. That's your main job. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you you have the freedom to develop uh, your business and uh, as large, largely as possible. So that was a very exciting journey of six, six years. And I have to say uh, that it was the time when I learned the more. You know, it was the time because, as I mentioned, we were touching base with a lot of things. You just mentioned to me that now you are involved a lot of, in e-sports. Yes. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, and we can. It's not a secret that we can say. I don't think that in five years' time you were very a very strong experts of e-sports. Oh, but you learned. And and again, uh, and there is a common uh, common point in uh, in in this in this work, which were everything's relating to the commercialization and creating value uh, for sports rights holder, and I think it's uh, it's it's something that I put in my head, and I think it was a. Uh, You know, we always say it was before, it was better before, and whatever. I don't say that; it's totally different. But I have to say, it was really a golden age of uh, of these businesses. Uh, this golden age uh, uh, it was not only five or six years, but around 20 years between 90s to 2010, something like that. But uh, and after that, you we will come to that. There was a cons consolidation of the market. But but uh, I have to say, uh, uh, it was very exciting time because. Uh, The rights holder, the sports rights holder, uh, were very open about uh, getting more, getting more money from their their rights. And ultimately, uh, as intermediary, uh, at this time you have not, you know, the rights holder were not structured like they are today. Uh, and ultimately, uh, you can you can bring a lot of uh, of add value to the to the rights holder. Yeah, totally. So you did obviously, you know, the, as you said, it was huge, huge learning there for six years. Um, and then obviously, uh, 
um, the next big opportunity came knocking on the door um, with uh, with the Lagardère group. Um, how did that work? Were, were you approached by Arnold Lagardère directly, or you know, how did this sort of uh, how did you move yeah. over and started Lagardère Sports? Okay, as I mentioned before, you know, this is a small business and this is an opportunity business, and yes. it's a business of men. And what's happened is uh, one I, one of my clients. Which is, which is today my partner in C11, right. uh, on the door. It was uh, Olivier Guillet. And he, at this time, he was working for Arnaud Lagardère, very close to Arnaud Lagardère. Yeah. And uh, he was working uh, in the broadcasting slash uh, entertainment uh, business of Lagardère. Mm -hmm. And at this time, it was in 2005, exactly, or 2006. 2006. Uh, he, Arnaud Lagardère wants def definitely to develop uh, uh, an activity in the business of sports. Uh, but to be fair, I didn't know exactly what, what, what he was looking for. You know, he was mixing player agent and sports with business of sports. As you know, it's, it's really different. You know, yes. the sport is one side of the, of the activity and it's, it's the, 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 the side which is uh, known by everybody. You know, what's happened in a team and a uh, tournament of tennis or football matches. Okay. That's what is viewed by everybody. Yeah. And on the back of that, in the backstage, you have the business people and the people who are making that uh, possible, you know, yeah. and, and, and at this time, they have not a clear idea, but they have, Arnaud Lagarde have the feeling that he, he wants to develop an activity, a full activity uh, from the group. So uh, Olivier called me and said, uh, you know, he said, I think you are one of the, the, the best experts in this industry uh, that I know. Uh, he didn't know a lot of people at this time in this industry, but, but ultimately I have to say we had a very strong relationship. He was my clients at IMG uh -huh. uh, when he was at uh, France Gallo, you know, the French horse racing uh, authority. Uh -huh. And he told me, join me. And we, we start from zero. We have nothing. We have two offices and we have to develop this, uh, this activity uh, uh, for, for the group. And this group is a listed company. Is a very strong uh, listed company. Yeah. And we will have a lot of support from the, from the top shareholders, Arnaud himself. And that's, so thereafter I met with Arnaud, uh, the, the feeling were very good. And, uh, and in, uh, in mid, uh, mid uh, 206, uh, I decide, and it was not an easy, it's never an easy decision, but I decide to leave IMG, uh, leaving a lot of friends, uh, very good friends and a very, very strong company. Uh, to uh, to to jump in a in a, in a new boat, uh, starting from scratch and uh, trying to develop that. Right. And yeah, quickly, I exactly. And it was a two six. And, and and honestly, in that it was the time where Lagardère were starting to look and monitor every opportunity of acquisition in the business. Mm. And when I arrived, I say, okay, guys, do is it not possible to start by a, 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 an organic growth? before and to try to do small business there and there in order for the company to learn, to have a, a learning curve of this activity. Mm. But it was not possible. It was a listed company and this company needs to have something big quickly. Yeah. And it's where the, the Sports 5 acquisition uh, happened. Mm. Uh, Lagardère were monitoring that and then I arrived just at the middle of that. 
Uh, and uh, and I have to say, we were. It was very uh, very exciting for me because it was a new business for me. It was a merger and acquisition business, you know. So I joined meeting with bankers and lawyers and uh, advisors and discussing about the overall strategic in the in the next ten or twenty years of this company. Uh, and it was not an easy one to do. But so meaning, I I I I, I swap from. Uh, from uh, an operational business at IMG, very exciting and uh, and, uh, and enthusiastic, uh, to uh, much more corporate activities of right. merger and acquisition. Right. Uh, again, it was, as you know, you have done so yourself. It's very exciting when you look about uh, some company, you try to deep dive in the company, even if you know this company from outside, if you are, if you are, you have business relationship with this company, mm. uh, this is not the same. And, um, and when I, when I jumped Lagardère, we, I was, I was the first employee of Lagardère Sports. Oh, okay. Because ultimately, uh, Olivier was still in Lagardère Active, the entertainment media and entertainment branch. Right. Uh, Olivier and I, uh, we were the, the first two uh, employees of that. And we have to build everything. So in, in Lagardère, we were building a, a corporate structure, developing acquisition and merger. So not not easy discussion always because you are, it's a different world, a corporate world. It's a different uh, uh, even language, <laughs> and uh, I, I was the I was the counterpart of the uh, the rights holder the, the 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 company, and you know uh, you remember we have a lot of discussion at this time. It was closer to two two o eight, you know. Yep. But during two 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 to three years, we were building uh, a portfolio. Instead of building a portfolio of rights, we were building a portfolio of company. Yeah. And uh, at this time, Lagarde uh, buy out Sports 5, IEC in Sports, yeah. thereafter World Sport Groups, and few other smaller companies that we had the mission to integrate into the Lagarde Galaxy. Yeah. And uh, obviously, that's not, uh, that's not the most easiest things, but uh, we try to manage that. And in the meantime, on the same time that that, we were running and developing a very strong relationship with a top premium rights holder, having discussion with uh, the UEFA, the WF, uh, the IOC, mm -hmm. to try to create uh, also an activity of relationship between those big, big rights holder with a big company like Lagarde. So I remember uh, a few meetings yeah, of uh, Jack. Lots of things, plates in the air, you're juggling there, that's for sure. Let, let's yeah. uh, let, let's dive a little bit, with this stick this stick to Lagarde Sports for a bit. Um, um, now on the acquisition frontier, so again, I, I just sort of, some of the numbers I roughly remember, I think the, the Sport 5 acquisition was not far off from a billion even, right? If I remember sort of right in the... Less than a billion, but... Uh, you know, yeah, not, not far off, right? It was um, no, no, it was 800 something. 800, yeah, okay. Uh, I think World Sport, and then the, I think the numbers which were reported was sort of like in the 150 million range. I see, I can't remember quite what it was, uh, but you know, but there's, you know, let's take it all in. Let's pick, put a number there, about a billion, maybe all in, maybe more even, right? If you take all the companies. So it's a, it's that's cool. a you know, substantial amount of money. Right? Exactly. Not, not far but off, it was, right? It was the cost 
for a company uh, like Lagardère to enter and to jump into these businesses right. and to be quickly a player, you know. Right. And, and, you know, especially in listed company, uh, time is money. And uh, with this acquisition, it was a way to gain time, gain years, uh, gain, gain months, and then years. Sure. And, and, and my idea at the beginning, and I was wrong, is uh, that uh, you can start slowly and you can grow organically your company. Uh, but for a company, I don't say for everybody, huh, but as an entrepreneur, I prefer to start slowly and grow on my own. But for a big company uh, who are in the, in the stock exchange and who need to, uh, to, to deliver every, every, every yeah, quarter numbers yeah. to, uh, to their shareholders and to the market, you need to go quick and fast. And, uh, and the only way to do so, that is a uh, merger and acquisition. Yeah. Thereafter, you can grow organically. It's what we've done with the contract of the IOC, for example, where we made a fantastic contract with the IOC for, uh, for the, 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 the Olympic 16, uh, where we get the rights of media, the media rights there. But ultimately, it, it will, won't have been possible if we don't have the structure on the back and the structure where sports five. Mm. So ultimately, that's that's the lesson of that. Uh, at this time, I, I, I feel I was wrong to say or to, to feel that we need to go slow, uh, uh, slowly and, and carefully. Uh, but in the meantime, thereafter, it was, uh, and I will come back to that at the, the end of my journey with Lagardère, it was difficult to, to entertain uh, both uh, both uh, world, you know, the world, the financial world with the stock exchange and the sports world where you have a different uh, timing. You yeah, know? yeah, so it's different cycles of how all these revenues go up and down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The and part it, which is it, interesting, actually, if you and you might remember this, right? I think uh, TSA almost would have been potentially part of this. I think when we yes, were talking, right. actually, <laughs> was when you were looking at World Sport Group and at us at that time. And exactly. you, I will. I will not deny that. <laughs> no. I know. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had some good sure, conversations. Uh, it's true that we have, a, and I remember a lot of very interesting meetings we had together in Kuala Lumpur in particular. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, World Sport was a bigger agency at that time, obviously, with some big rides, AFC and others. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I know I can see why you went with them, not with us. So that's all good. We won't go too deep into all that stuff. But what, what I'd love to talk a bit about that is, of course, you know, and again, lots of has been written about and I've had other, you know, colleagues uh, on the podcast here where we dissected, you know, a bit what went what went right or what didn't go right for Lagardère, right? I mean, we all know it was, you know, recently sold, whatever it was, 2020 there, right, for, again, a reported yeah. number of about 110 million or so. So let's say, you know, nine, somewhere in this whole process, 90% of value was somewhat lost, right? Exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, so and, that, and please go ahead. The answer to that is implementation, yeah. integration and implementation. Right. And to be fair, I will ne never, never challenge anybody, you know, and I'm very respectful of uh, both partners, shareholders and colleagues. But ultimately, the failures that Lagardère uh, Sports had is integration and implementation. Mm. We will not give and ultimately we didn't take the time to integrate properly integrate uh, and either implement the acquisition that Lagardère have made. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the main reasons for me at, uh, with Backstage. After that, there is a lot of other reasons that uh, you know, I don't want to, to, to discuss about because sure. 
you obviously, you know, I left, uh, I decided to left Lagardère in 2010. And at this time, uh, the turnover of Lagardère and the, 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 the benefits of uh, Lagardère sports were uh, close to uh, 60 to 70 millions a year, which was a very strong company. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, uh, shareholders are always right. You know, it's like uh, referees, you know, yeah. and uh, ultimately, uh, I disagree with the new strategy that uh, that Lagardère groups wants to implement into sports, but I fully respect it. And ultimately, I was just an employee of this company, even if I was the I was the, the in the in the backbone of this uh, of this company, mm. uh, deciding a lot of things. But uh, the only thing I can say say I, I disagree with some element of the strategy, and I have to leave. And one of these elements where a uh, very strong diversification in every activity of the sports business, a little bit like doing IMG, but IMG have 40 years of history. Right. And like other sports, we have even not the time to integrate the team. Mm. So making work together, uh, Sports 5 guys, colleagues, with a DNA of Sports 5, with a guy of IEC who have a totally different DNA, totally different focus, yeah. take time. Yeah. Okay. And one last question I wanted to, before we move on, of course, to the next one here is, um, you know, the strategy initially was clearly that to keep the names alive, right? So everyone was still operating out of Spout 5 and IC yeah. and World Sports, et cetera. And, and, you know, and unless you knew about it, you know, you, you didn't know that they were connected. And, and I've even kept hearing always that, you know, they even still compete a bit with each other. Again, that seemed to be, I guess, a top level kind of decision. That's how they wanted to run it, right? Is that correct? Or yeah, at this time, it was reason, again, for a reason of integration, time to integrate. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it was always in the mind that at some point, uh, okay, everybody should or... be under the same umbrella, you know. Okay. But but definitely, uh, it was not possible. Uh, uh, it's happened, but uh, I think it was too early. Was or too late, yeah. but anyway, that, that's a decision that I will not comment at all. And I respect, again, the shareholders are always right even if they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's move on from there because, as you said, you kind of left, um, I guess, when you felt, you know, maybe that, that things weren't going the way you wanted it. And and you, I guess you set up your own agency there for, for a period of time, right? Media Sports yes, System. Yes, exactly. Which then, of course, and, led into the next one. So talk us through that a little bit, the couple of years there, what happened. Exactly. And I have to say that after my Eurosports uh, time of uh, freshness and... Uh, and uh, a youngness, uh, this time of uh, building my own my my own small boutique, as for the first time uh, um, uh, uh, a full entrepreneur was a fantastic journey. You know, mm -hmm. a, a short one, obviously. But even if I we will speak about C11, obviously, but it, it's, it's also uh, my own uh, my own creation. But uh, right. uh, but it was uh, it was very uh, very exciting. You know, and it was. Too short, unfortunately, it was only a year, but I spent a fantastic year, you know, developing, going there and there, trying to get a, a strategy for the company. Uh, and it was a company, it was myself, it was an advisory company. I don't want to spend to, to let's say, to invest, to take too many risks financially on that. So I have to work on the basis of uh, advisory, you know, uh, but it was great. I get, uh, uh, and uh, and I will I will have to thank uh, a few of my uh, former colleagues or clients and partners who, 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 who trust me, you know, and uh, who, who ask me, uh, because I, uh, they think 
things that I can bring add value to to their business, uh, some advisory and some stuff like that. And um, uh, it was only a year uh, because, uh, and we will jump on that because I uh, thereafter I, I developed this project of CA11. But it was a fantastic year, you know. Uh, but again. You know, I, I jumped that back uh, for for almost six years or uh, five to six years. I was at Lagardère with a big visit card, you know, business card, sorry, uh, on my name with Lagardère, blah, blah, blah. And the day after, you are nobody. You know, or you are, <laughs> are yourself. Yeah, and I have to a little different that world, that's for sure. Even, even being yourself, something is fantastic. You, know? you don't need, you need, to, you need to create value for your, for, for your partner. Mm. You know, that's, that, that's the main question, you know. People can be unclear, not sure, can trust you, but ultimately you need to bring some things to them, you know. And this is this is the business as discover and I love. This is the intermediation business, especially in the sports industry. But I have to say, I think it's the same in other industry when you are advisor in big groups of uh, advising and stuff. You need to bring some things that people have not. You know, and, uh, and well, that leads nicely into CAA 11 because clearly exactly. you brought something there to CAA, which obviously is the big agencies from the US, um, yeah. where you partnered with them and, of course, created a new subsidiary, uh, which went after a very, very big project. Um, now, talk us through a little bit this whole time when, when that tender started, because again, I remember certain parts of it, but probably not everything. Um, so we're now somewhere around what, 2012 here, I guess, right? 11, 12, yeah. um, where UEFA decides to start, um, I guess, taking some of the rights again in-house and or bundling them, whichever way you want to call it, right? Uh, bringing all the, the qualifying for Europe is for the World Cup or other competitions together. Um, and similar to the way team represents, I guess, UEFA on the on the national, uh, sorry, on the club side, um, creating a structure for for the national team side, right? That's sort of the simplest way for anyone who is not even familiar with what you guys are doing. Um, how would you just, you know, what what was UEFA doing at that time, and what was the groundbreaking part to it? Yeah, so you make a perfect summary of the situation. Uh, at this time, uh, UEFA, because as you remember before that, uh, the market of the rights for national team association, uh, football, uh, yeah. national team association, were, were very fragmented, yes. fully fragmented. Yeah. Where you had players like Sports 5, like in France, who get a, a lot of rights of federation, uh, for example, the Armenian Federation, the Moldovia, and thereafter others, a smaller or bigger uh, federation. Yeah. And everything's were based on the chance right. of the draw. Yeah. Because if you are, uh, if you are, if you represent the Armenian Federation, and in the draw of the qualifiers, you draw England. You yep. make the jackpot. You got a gold you know, ticket. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's pretty how it works. Yep. And ultimately, it was fragmented, unclear, unsure hmm. in terms of revenue for the federation. Right. So UEFA, I think, uh, cleverly uh, decide to uh, try to centralize those rights and to bring that back home hmm. in, to the UEFA uh, organization. And I think it's one of the biggest moves UEFA have done uh, since uh, the beginning of the 90s with the centralization of the, of the UEFA Cup. 
and the Champions League, meaning historically the, the, the Cup of Champions, yeah. the Champions Cup. And, um, and, and at this time, you know, uh, UEFA decided, I think, uh, very, very, uh, very uh, smart way to, uh, to go to all their members, federation, and say, guys, you never know what you will get in the next couple of years because you don't know who, against whom you are, you are, you are um, playing. Uh, playing yeah. you know? And if you are selling those rights for ship to an agency, if this agency is drawing uh, England, all the money are going to the agency and you lose that. Right. So UEFA decided to centralize that. And with that, uh, it was a long journey for UEFA. And I was, I was outside of that because it was uh, a UEFA purpose. Right. But I think UEFA... Who like, was in, in UEFA, who was driving it, actually? What, what the names of... Who, who we talk about here? Who was pushing this? Uh, of the centralization, uh, I will put three names on the table. It was Janine Fantino at this time. Uh, so four names. Platini was uh, driving that, mm -hmm. Platini, Infantino, Theodor Theodoris, and Guillaume Epstein. That right. was the four guys really yeah. at the, at the, at the, uh, in the mix. Obviously, there were, you know, uh, I want to be fair with everybody, and a lot of people were working on that, on that project, but those four guys were, were, were the cornerstone of the, mm. of the centralization. And with this centralization came to a point, okay, fair enough, but who is going to come distribute those rights? Yeah. Uh, UFA organization were, uh, were, were well established in terms of marketing and sales, but not so, not, not so big because you have team marketing dealing all the commercialization of, uh, uh, for the Champions League at this yeah. time. Already. So uh, UFA only, I will say, only selling the Euro every four years. Okay, but, uh, and, and, and then... UEFA decided to launch a tender to try to find a partner uh, to, uh, to, to distribute and to be the, the exclusive agent of the UEFA for those rights. Right. Exactly as you mentioned, like team marketing, same type of model. Right. So ultimately, uh, at this time, uh, I, had a, we, I had a lot of experience in, uh, in these activities, thanks to Sports 5, IMG before. Mm. Uh, so I know a lot, a lot of things about that. Uh, and uh, my partner and I, at this time Olivier, we decided to try to create a, a, a small structure, justly, just uh, just Olivier and I, uh, to try to uh, to bid for those rights right. without any chance to win potentially, but with a chance that if if things are happening, uh, it can work, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and finally, uh, very quickly, we see that it was too big for us. Uh, alone, mm -hmm. very difficult. But we see there is a lot of elements which were very interesting for an, uh, a startup, a brand new company, because uh, UEFA uh, where UEFA required uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of elements, and uh, there was a lot of obligation uh, asked for UEFA. Uh, not so easy for for a classical agency to uh, to accept and to maintain. Like right. the exclusivity, for example, C11, right. like team marketing, we are only working for UEFA. Right. That's the stuff. So right. okay, we'll ask IMG or others to work only for that. You know, yeah. so that's yeah. difficult. So we are. We, we think that there was there was a very good window there. Mm -hmm. We know very product. We were, we were we know very well the the way to implement that, and we have a lot of ideas about the best way to implement that. Right. So we tried that, but very quickly we see we we were too small. Mm. So we try to find partner on, on the market. Uh, obviously, it cannot be the usual suspect because the usual suspect uh, didn't 
need us, you yeah, know, or yeah, feel they, they didn't need us, you know, neither IMG nor Sports5 nor whatever. Mm. So ultimately, uh, we, we try to, to make a, world, a kind of world tour, <laughs> small one, because we were uh, alone, but to try to find partner. And finally, and again, we, we managed to have a very, very good uh, uh, meetings with the CA people uh, in Los Angeles, Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were starting uh, to to work, try to work outside of the US mm-hmm. and definitely in Europe. At this time, they just finished their their partnership or partnership, their the contractual relationship with uh, Philippe Lefloc at this time and Peter Kinion. Yes, that they, yeah, they had a team in the yeah. in the UK. And that's right. <laughs> and as we said, none of them, neither Peter nor nor Philippe, were very happy about the relationship they have with CA and vice versa. You know, right. so. They have not a lot of uh, activities there. And what we've done, we come, we say, guys, we don't want you to hire us, not at all. We propose you to be partner with in this project. So your risk right. is zero. You don't have anybody in. You just have to fuel and to uh, to, to fuel the project on a short-term basis, on a six-months uh, or three-months basis. And uh, and it's what they've done. And they've done properly. And 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 CA bet on us. And they bring they bring the image and and, and all the the know-how, the knowledge of sure. uh, the agency, uh, uh, the very well-known agency in the US. Yep. And we have in the expertise of the uh, of the market and uh, of the of the business itself uh, of uh, football media rights in particular and sponsorship rights. So we've done this team up. Uh, in the mid 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 12 mm. when the tender were launched or oh no uh, end of the first quarter uh, 2012 and thankfully uh, after a very very long uh, tender process which i perfectly understand again for uefa it was a, such an important uh, tender you know because they they were teaming up like they've done in 92 uh, with uh, team marketing uh, with a partner who are going to uh, uh, to get in hand uh, the the jewel uh, of the of the UFR rights, you know. Yeah. So uh, so it was very important for them to to take the time, and uh, we run to uh, I don't remember how many, but more than three or four round of uh, of bidding uh, with uh, I think I don't know exactly, but there were there were more than fifteen bidders, you know, wow. and uh, ultimately we finish in. Uh, in the final, I will say in final round, uh, with uh, with two usual suspects, uh, my former company IMG and Lagarde. Right, okay. <laughs> so, but that, that's life. You know, you know how it is. You know your and um, and uh, and ultimately, what we think were an advantage for us finally has been a very great advantage. Is we were a startup and a brand new company, you know, uh, because CA, okay, CA have other business, but they have no business in football uh, and uh, at this time. So for 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 UEFA, it was very very clear that we are going to build around uh, Olivier and I a company totally dedicated and create for this project. And for UEFA, it was crucial, you know. So uh, so uh, thankfully, we get those rights. And in uh, in uh, in the end of the summer 2012, we get the confirmation by UEFA that uh, we are starting. And it was really? already very late because we were trying to to start to to sell rights starting in 2014. You know, and as you know, uh, when you are selling rights, uh, TV rights or even sponsorship rights, 
de, 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 the run is uh, long, you know, in order yes. to, to sell everything everywhere in the world. So that was a fantastic... Uh, I love let, let me go back just for a minute before we then go a little, of course, into now what happened almost the last, let's say, 10 years, a little less than 10 years almost now since obviously you've been involved in this. Um, now, at the time, again, these are some numbers I remember, you know, we we're, again, we're dealing with at least somewhere, it was in the ballpark of a billion dollars, uh, if not more, for the guarantee. Um, so the first uh, block was a four-year block, was it? Sort of um, from... Yes. Yeah, it was four-year yeah. window uh, yeah. for, I guess, all the usual rights uh, from 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 Euro to all the qualifiers, etc. Right. Um, so your so your first season was what two fourteen to two eighteen, or was that what you yes. said? Yeah. Okay. The, the first inventory, the first portfolio was uh, all the rights for from uh, between uh, fourteen and eighteen. Right, right, got it. And and again, if, if you go back. So if you go back now, think about you know when you won, you know as I said, now it's ten years ago. Um, you know what do you think was the you know the the linchpin? Was it you guys put more money on the table than everyone else? Was it the combo no, no. of as you said earlier that you know you were a standalone agency versus the others? Or obviously, you were doing a bunch of other stuff. But what what do you really think was what made the the, the difference at the end? I think clearly the money were, were not the problem because when there was a key element that we perfectly integrate into our, our bid where that UEFA wants to keep the full control. Mm. And if you want to keep the full control, your priority, okay, priority is to generate the much money you can. But ultimately, you cannot ask for a full control and have a guarantee outside. Right. So you know the story, you know, if you buy out the rights or if you put a large guarantee, you need to have control of things. Right. And for us, it was obvious that UEFA wants to keep the control of the operation, right. uh, being able to reject or accept or move ahead on. Right, right. In the meantime, UEFA wants to be protected by an agency mm. and, and helped by an agency uh, regarding uh, to create a Chinese wall between the market and UEFA okay. to protect the rights and the rights holder and ultimately the rights holder are the federation. Yeah. And I have to say that thanks to the dynamic of the market, thanks to the way we have done so, and thanks for, to the help of UEFA, but it was a fantastic success because mm. it's exactly, UEFA have a full control, a full visibility of what you are doing. We are in permanent link with UEFA and ultimately CA11 is a spin-off of uh, of UEFA. It's 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 an integrate almost an integrate agency in UEFA. Right, right, Even right. if UEFA are not shareholder of CA11, right, right. not at all. But that's why I think the the success the success of those uh, uh, those elements has been to be able to mix uh, the results, the, the commercial results, right. and. Uh, and the transparency and the and the control uh, kept by the rights holder, yeah. and uh, and and finally, as you mentioned, uh, one of the key elements where that in order to get the full control of that, uh, they want that we are working only for for UEFA, yeah. and it was a big choice for us because it means that our developments is totally relating and depending on UEFA uh, properties. Yeah. 
yeah. you know yeah, and, 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 and you know because it's so large in that case it's justifiable at the same way team obviously done very well with just doing champions league just you know it's it's a multi-billion dollar property um exactly. so in the same way here um you know it's not a small thing you're betting on so you know i can see that uh, now again i get you know you ask what you can answer here um in terms of your sort of deal structure you know it might have changed over the years a bit anyway but uh so is there some sort of a mg which you guys putting on the table uh, which you then have to, you know, you make your money beyond, or or how is it roughly structured? No, on that I, I cannot answer to your question. You can understand easily why okay, I no don't problem. want to go deep in the in the structure of the deal. What I can say is the structure of our deal are are, are very close to the structure of the deal that any other. Uh, agency uh, uh, should uh, could have made, you know, uh, uh, we know that for sure. So ultimately, the decision were much more not on this uh, element, but much more on what we are bringing up uh, outside. And again, awesome. the fact that we are working only for them, the fact that we are giving them full transparency in the stuff. So ultimately, I, I will be very humble on that. We didn't uh, create something totally new. We have replicated what is working very well uh, with uh, UEFA and team marketing. Yeah. You know, um, that makes sense. You know? So, well, so and, that's, and the success speaks for itself, right? You've, I think, exactly. you mentioned earlier. This is you've done it th th three renewals now, right? You've obviously had your first cycle, second cycle, which you're currently finishing. In 222, and you mentioned earlier you've just re, you know extended for till all the way to 2028, so your third yeah, cycle. Okay. So um, you know that speaks itself. Clearly, you've done, done an amazing job there for UEFA, and, and they like working with you guys. Right? But again, it's also uh, the, the cooperation and the, the link between UEFA and us. And I think it's difficult to explain because uh, you know that you know perfectly how it works between uh, agency and rights holder. Uh, 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 until it, until it works, uh, you know, uh, you have a fluidity, uh, but it's difficult to be every day on the back of the agency and vice versa. Mm. And I, I have to say that UEFA have implemented an organization and we have implemented an organization which is working very well. Obviously, at the beginning, some of the employees were UEFA employees who, who, who joined us and some were coming from elsewhere and whatever. So we have to make this integration that I mentioned last time, uh, which is very important, integration and implementation. And it worked well because we take the time to do that properly. Even if we have a lot of things to do, we try to, to implement and to establish a DNA of the company as close as possible to what UEFA were looking for, obviously. Right. And with that, ultimately, uh, I have to say it's working well. I, I don't say we are successful everywhere on every tender, but there is a trust which is created between the two, which ultimately, you know, we don't have to make uh, thousands of meetings of uh, hours. We do it. You know, uh, but but we know each other. You know, uh, we know how UEFA is reacting. UEFA know how we are working. Uh, um, doesn't mean that they are not controlling that. They are controlling very well. They are they, they are validate everything. But. Uh, it's working well, you know, yeah, so uh, absolutely. Let us, so let's dig a bit around there. I mean, you know, a, I want to talk a bit about some of the new formats, which you guys obviously created. And, and I guess the other part, which I'm not sure we, we mentioned it specifically, but you also have, you don't just control the media, right? So right? you have, of course, you're selling the sponsorship packages as well, which yeah. again was a different thing. Um, then it was obviously previously done, you know, and then we'll obviously talk about Euro 220, 221 here and, and the challenges in there. But let's stick for a minute here 
earlier on the you know some of the new uh, things which came with this new package, right? There came the Nations Cup. Um, yeah, so Nations League. Uh, Nations League, sorry. What do I call it? Nations, yeah, Nations uh, League. I know there sorry. is so many leagues and stuff. I, yeah, I get, sorry. I, <laughs> yeah. But it's the, the Nations League. Yeah. Now, how would you this? I mean, you know, again, the, the simple description, of course, it was a new, um, and it was literally in a new competition to some degree to take a bit away the, uh, I guess, the friendly matches, right? To turn the friendly matches into something a little more meaty and 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 more ma- meaningful and so on. But you know, and I have to correct me if I'm wrong. How many nations leagues have we had now? Two seasons of it, or only one? No, no, we have uh, now uh, we have only one season. It's only happened the... once, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think Portugal again, is the one who won, it was, right? It was a fantastic success. And again, we start by a by a question: How can we manage to uh, optimize and make those match uh, from national team more exciting for everybody? Right. Not only for the for the spect for the fans, but also for the players, for the train, for the coach and so on. Right. And the answer is that this match. All matches need to count. Right. We need every matches needs to have a, a, a physical uh, an interest. You know, uh, you know, is it a qualification? Is it uh, giving some point? Is it bringing you in another? And it's why we we working hard with UEFA and UEFA mm. uh, department. As you know, UEFA they are they have a strong sports competition department working on that. But the first question where. What are we doing with these friendly matches? Mm. Half of the matches of national team were at this time friendly matches. Right, right. And it didn't work. Right. You know, when you play a friendly matches, it's it's never a competi- competition Correct. match. Correct. And none of, none of the players, none of the coaches, none of the federation, none of the fans wants to see any more friendly matches. Mm. Okay, they can, they can watch friendly matches uh, pre-World Cup, pre-Euros right. for the preparation because yeah. the interest is to see how your teams are going Correct. to play in this big yeah. competition. Yeah, but ultimately, Exactly. And, 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 and ultimately, that's exactly that. Uh, we, were, we were lucky enough to have a very strong team already established at C11 and working very hard with a strong team. And, and we made a fantastic session of brainstorming to try to, to see how, how, can we, how can we manage to mitigate the the negative impact of friendly matches in the overall package. Was that really part of what you had pitched as when you no, were pitching no. or that came later? Yeah. At the beginning, it was only official matches. And uh, for the first uh, cycle, we had only a qualifiers matches, meaning you World Cup and, you, uh, and, and okay. uh, so this Euro was a new invention later, right? So, okay, got it. So again, as you mentioned, the development of the company, we are bringing from uh, from uh, ten match uh, from uh, five matches from uh, ten matches. Uh, no, sorry, well, let's uh, let's keep uh, globally uh, from uh, from seven hundred matches uh, per cycle to per, per seasons to uh, one thousand. Uh, 1500 uh, matches uh, per season you know right. so, wow, so and and the idea was to structure reorganize the calendar obviously today it's difficult for me to go uh, deeper than that but because today there is a lot of discussion about the calendar post 24 mm. uh, is the stuff the story about the world cup uh, the every two years and stuff like that uh, which uh, hopefully will not happen because i think it's, it's diluting the value of uh, of uh, of football but that's another story yeah. But ultimately, uh, the, the, the key element of this creation where how can we create some things which is better for everybody? And I think we manage it 
It's not perfect. It was the first season, but it went very well. It was very well received by partner. Is it uh, is it is it uh, media, but also a sponsor? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you get some things. You have a year of competition, and with a year of competition, you you get qualified for a final four. Right. Or tomorrow will be perhaps a final eight. And but and and this final four last time was we are playing Portugal, and it was a fantastic uh, uh, event. You know, uh, yeah. finally won by Portugal, but it's right. sports, <laughs> but, but it was great, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and ultimately, uh, you have, uh, you have the next, uh, final four played in Milano in Torino in beginning of October this year. And you have a semi-final, which is Italy, Spain, and another semi-final, which is France, Belgium. Wow. So that's a uh, fantastic. Yeah, and in that, you have the big team playing in each other, but ultimately for the smaller team, it's also very competitive because they can. It's why why the name is Nations League. You can you can uh, accede and be promoted yes. in the next division. That's right. Uh, yeah, there are different you, layers of it. I remember that. Yeah. And I think it's working pretty well. Uh, it's totally complementary to the to the qualifiers. And it's working well. So, uh, so that is that. That's an innovative. Uh, I have to say that we were part of those discussions, obviously. Uh, uh, but again, it was drive by UEFA, and uh, we each time we are discussing about a commercial impact. Uh, we are in the mix, you know. Obviously, yeah, I would imagine, right? I mean, at the end of the day, besides that, it makes from a sporting point of view makes sense like the way you explained it already there's always i'm sure the underlying commercial element as well right how would that generate more revenue streams by being more structured by giving it a new name so it's not just a friendly but now it is the nation's league and you know it has a new ring to it and it brings in new companies and sponsors so would you say it also has been commercially successful not just from a sporting point of view i think it's easy like you said but it also generated new revenue for for uefa and the teams yeah, because ultimately, uh, you know, you manage to sell. Uh, uh, it's it's easiest, and uh, you can sell better matches, which is official, than a friendly matches. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, make, make you come to a broadcaster instead of selling half matches of half half friendly matches and half uh, official matches, we're selling almost only official matches. Mm. So that's a big change. Yeah. So that. For sponsor, it's also a, a big, a big jump because ultimately the sponsor were partner of what they were partner of the Euro every four years. Yeah. Sometimes a little bit partner, and it's what we create also partner of the of the qualifiers, part of the qualifiers. But it's very complex. I don't want to enter into that because in certain countries it's available, in other it's not. Mm-hmm. But ultimately they are also partner of the final four of the Nations League, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and for them, it's a way uh, to 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 meet with their with their clients and to meet with uh, with uh, with their overall uh, stakeholders, yeah. and and to develop the the relationship uh, around that, you know. So so yes, it's successful. Uh, it's uh, on a sports basis, it's successful. On a commercial basis, it's successful. And hopefully, uh, it's now and uh, I have not a, not a crystal ball now. Hopefully, the reorganization of the calendar post 24 will help to uh, reinforce this stuff. But uh, but who knows? Because post 24, there is so many questions about uh, what's going on. You know, uh, uh, you know, we speak about the World Cup every two years. We speak about uh, whatever you know, the, obviously the World Cup with 48 teams is something. And so, uh, so this is something we are monitoring carefully. We are working with UEFA carefully, but definitely UEFA is on the case. And UEFA have, have now 
create and develop with decentralization of the national team, mm. a little bit like they've done in the 90s for the clubs, yeah. a very, very uh, efficient uh, machine, you know, yeah. and, uh, and an organization and structure, you know. So yeah, uh, UEFA right. doesn't let that goes, you know, and wants to protect that, you know, because ultimately uh, uh, that's not for UEFA. All these money are going back to the, sure. the federation. Yeah, it's a money-making machine you guys are building. I can see that. Now, let's talk a bit about Euro 220 happening in 2021. You know, we, we got yes. maybe another sort of 10, 15 minutes here before we wrap yeah. it up. Um, and of course, you know, it's an obvious to ask and talk a bit about it, right? Um, it was meant to be, it was already a challenging event uh, anyway, right? Because it was, a, I guess, the 100th anniversary or, or was it, what was it, the 100th anniversary? Oh, 60. 60. Oh, 60, sorry, the 60th yeah. anniversary. And, uh, you know, it was, a, so it was hosted all across the region and all of a sudden we got COVID here, right? So never mind, it got delayed. But it was still obviously played under, you know, very, very difficult circumstances. Now, being inside of this and, you know, even though you're not involved in the operation as much, um, but you are obviously involved in the commercial side of it, you know, having to deal with broadcasters and sponsors and everyone, I'm sure, are freaking out to some degree of what's happening. Here. Tell us a bit about it. I mean, you know, you know what, you know, how are you dealing with that? <laughs> First of all, I, I want to say that uh, I, we, were, we were, as a partner, very, very impressed about the way that UEFA have managed that. Mm. You know, everybody in March 2020 were a little bit scared about what can happen, not only for our business, but everywhere with this pandemic. You know? yep. I have to say that UEFA has been one of the first to postpone the Euro uh, 20 mm. and take the slot of the, of the uh, June 21 to, to make this, this happen. Right. And ultimately, after that, you can say it was a very great decision, you know, a clever decision and quick and fast decision. Yeah. And thereafter, it's not only that, but UEFA have made everything possible to mitigate all the impact of these changes and all the impact of the crisis. Mm. And when I say mitigate, is meaning you need to renegotiate with all the cities, hosting city. You need to renegotiate with all the NAs. You need mm. to... Uh, try to reschedule or rebuild the scheduling, scheduling for the qualifiers, for the matches and whatever. Yeah. And ultimately, the outcome of that has been that thanks to UEFA, I think there were only two, I think I think it's only two matches which was cancelled because of the pandemics. All oh, the right. other were wow. played. That's it. One way or the other. What, 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 it is amazing, huh? yeah. but obviously there were, there were a lot of discussion with broadcaster and sponsor, but ultimately you, UEFA deliver what they sell, Everything. what they propose Just to the party. Yeah, so so it way. was, a, and, wow. and, and again, the Euro 2020 play in 21, where the first event play with, uh, with the fan back in the stadium mm. and, uh, And it was it was fantastic, you know. Uh, it was a uh, fresh air. It it won't it was it, it wasn't perfect, obviously everywhere. But if you can imagine the difficulties to uh, to manage and coordinate uh, a euro in 12 different countries or 10 different countries around Europe, with all the regulation and the sanitary regulation different in those countries, this is amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive undertaking, and I, I take my head off for sure. For the for the operational people, especially UEFA people, but also our team, it was a little bit uh, frustrating because obviously uh, Euro is a is a big uh, is a big event, is a big fete. Uh, you know, it's a, it's something which is a, it's a celebration. You know, and yeah. obviously with all these, it, we were not able to 
to celebrate that properly with uh, all the stakeholders, with the partner, with the clients, with broadcasters, sponsors. And it was difficult. Mm. But, you know, we have uh, UEFA and uh, our team have mitigated the impact of this, uh, of this crisis as much as possible. And I have to say that, uh, that uh, it worked well. It worked well. And everybody, we, we get already a lot of feedback from uh, is it broadcaster or, or, or partner sponsors. And they were very happy because it's a, it was an end of the tunnel for them also, you know, uh, marketing direction of a big company, partner of Euro. Mm. Uh, it was their first event that they've done for a year almost, huh? you know, so, yeah. so, so that was a, that was a great success. That was a big success of uh, audiences. And, uh, and ultimately, I, I think uh, UEFA have respect uh, every stakeholders in this means try to mitigate and to manage uh, all the all the impact for every 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 people, including teams, uh, partners, uh, fans, and others. You know, so uh, mm. so uh, that's a great success. Now it's on our back, uh, <laughs> and uh, due to the postponing of this Euro 21, and now we are looking uh, very quickly yeah, to the exactly. You got a little shorter window for the next one. Obviously, there is this World Cup 22 uh, play in Qatar, which is uh, something which is out of our scope, obviously. Yeah. But it's obviously very important for us because obviously with the with the change of uh, uh, scheduling with the World Cup play in November, right. it changed a lot of the scheduling, so it have an impact on us. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I have to say we are we are full speed on uh, on Euro 24 in Germany, and I have yes. to say you know what we say, huh? Football is coming on, huh? Ah, I know it's exactly. It's, it's <laughs> England, but we we can say that for Germany, you know, and uh, and the success. The historical success of the World Cup 2006. Yes. Uh, you know, we are so excited to uh, to to be able to, uh, to 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 come in Germany to 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 do the machine, and we know uh, we know how big it will be. Uh, we, we know that. And, and oh, I will be there too. I'll book my ticket now for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait. Uh, 2006. Was I will amazing. let you know, Mark. Thank I will you. let you know. Thank you. Put me on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's fantastic. And I, I absolutely, you know, we could, I could spend another hour probably talking about that, but uh, we don't, we won't do that. But uh, yes, I'm very excited oh. over it as well. I think Germany as a team hasn't had their best couple of years here, but I do think in 224, we should be back up there. I think we're, we're, we with our new coach looks like we're, we're doing well there. So it'll uh, be exciting to see the team. Um, now, new players. Yeah, new players. exactly. Yeah, we always have good young guys coming, and let's see if they can get ready. Right, uh, but that doesn't mean there aren't others who are equally looking strong. And you know, it's an exciting time for football as usual. Um, now, to kind of wrap it up here, maybe let, let me let's talk a little bit about the changing in media. And you know, you're a media man, right? You've been there since the beginning. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier. You know how. The, uh, the pay TV world started, you know, and working in Eurosport and Kennel Plus. And, you know, now, again, I, I want to be specific to UEFAR and, and whatever you can share again on terms of your plans. You know, everyone is going into OTT. You're going, you know, NFTs are popping up everywhere. And, and that's maybe a bit more of a, you know, side thing, probably comparatively. But OTT is obviously a yard, large, important play. Um, great example would be here. I was in Thailand here, as I mentioned, for the last year. Uh, so I watched the Euro here. And I do, un my understanding is that you, you guys did a pretty late deal here, right? It was uh, actually sponsored by, uh, by a local company. So, you know, like the day before it started, I think. Um, I was a bit worried how to watch it here. Um, and at the point, at the beginning, 
I saw, at least when I was looking, trying to figure out how to watch it, is there was an app, right? There was a UEFA app, I think as it was called. Um, but I could never quite work out whether it would show live matches or not, or it was just highlights. Um, what is your strategy there, right? For markets where yeah. one day maybe you might not find a sponsor anymore, or sorry, or a broadcaster anymore, right? Because of whatever reason, you know, they're all different in different parts of the world. You have strategies to go direct to yeah. consumer, or what are you guys looking to do? Okay, so let's say that today the strategy of UEFA is to try to maintain the relationship with existing partner, mm -hmm. is it broadcaster or new OTT player? Right. But because again, uh, UEFA is a sports governing body. Yeah. It not, it's not a broadcaster. It, the goal of UEFA is not to create a, a big monster of the broadcasting and so on. So, so ultimately, the first strategy is to try to monitor properly and to 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 work with partners who are in the media landscape. So obviously, the new OTT player is it the Amazon, the Apple, the Netflix, which the are, zone, yep. Netflix are not doing sports, but Dazone and others. Yep. That's, that's our clients like, and we love, love them. Like we, 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 we continue to work with, let's say historical, uh, yeah. traditional uh, network of broadcaster. Yep. Having said that, obviously we are not blind, you know, and, uh, and I cannot speak about UEFA itself, but just, can uh, can uh, give you what UEFA is doing because again this is not C11 strategy this is UEFA strategy right. uh, and UEFA strategy has been to develop uh, a kind of apps slash OTT platform slash website whatever you, you will name that mm -hmm. which is able to compensate and replace uh, a partner which is not here for example mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of time and especially in the past years we have a situation where the business model of the, broad, the historical broadcaster, is it network, cable, cable on satellite company or others, mm -hmm. has been tackled and challenged yeah. by new uh, players like OTT platforms. Right. But in the meantime, in the same times, the, the, the loss of revenues or potential loss of revenues of this traditional operator didn't went directly to the new players. And the new players have not yet established their own strategy about sports Correct. and sports in particular. So obviously, UEFA have to mitigate those periods, mm -hmm. which I think this period is now over, but and to try to be able to propose and to establish, because outside of bring, bringing money to, to federation uh, in Europe and to clubs, UEFA, the mission of UEFA is also to develop the sports in Europe and also in order to develop that to have the best exposure for that. Right. So typically, the example of Thailand, uh, at one point, UEFA wearable this time, if the last minute deal were not happen, mm. to broadcast on, the, on, on its own platforms, right. uh, the, uh, the Euro on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, they have, we have done so not with Euro, with main matches, but UEFA have done so with uh, youth competition, for example. Mm. We didn't find any more, very difficult to find a partner which is broadcasting that uh, because of budget are shrinking and stuff like that. And it's not any more premium rights and whatever. Even if it's coming back a little bit because there is a needs of content and uh, on sport content, life, life sports uh, more and more. So that's an evolution, permanent evolution. And in order to be able to fulfill that, that uh, that all, you know, I will say, UEFA have de developed these uh, these apps slash 
between you and me, for us, it's much more a tool and an, an option than uh, than a, a real competition to the to the to the partner. Right. The idea is not to uh, to 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 extract uh, premium rights from that and to put that on a full OTT platform. Not at all. You know that's not. Uh, and as of today, right. and I speak the control, and I cannot say, but it's what we have been, we, we understand from UEFA. This is not that, but it's just a way to try to mitigate a hole or a problem in certain regions, certain country where UEFA uh, properties are not uh, properly broadcast or where partners are not supporting those competitions uh, strongly enough. You know, uh, yeah. I, I can give you an example of uh, some competition where people say, I, I just want to broadcast the semi-final and the final. Right. Say yes. Yeah, I actually, you. I watched the, the Euro Under 21. I was watching exactly. it on the app. Um, and obviously, exactly. you in Germany exactly. did well there. So I was watching a couple of the matches. Exactly. And uh, so it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And, and I figured maybe this is how, you know, I would be going to watching the Euro too. But uh, luckily, it well, was ended up on proper network TV here. Ultimately, there is obviously a, uh, an obligation of a, a proper mix between exposure and, uh, and money. Mm. And uh, Ultimately, uh, the, the monetization of uh, those rights on the uh, UEFA platform uh, or on any platform at the moment are not, uh, it's not, uh, you know, you need to make the promotion, you need to do everything, and it's not really easy, you know, so, so that's it. And again, when a partner is taking over uh, rights for their own for their own network, is it a classical broadcaster on an OTT pl- or an OTT platform? They are also gaining some things where you cannot have with UEFA because you have UEFA proper OTT is the I, the the IP of the of the of the of the rights, yeah. you know, and uh, you know perfectly that a broadcaster when get the rights of UEFA, is it Champions League or or national team football, is making a big promotion of that in, uh, and uh, and and using the IP of UEFA slash the national team football in order to, to promote that on his uh, own network, you know, so uh, and, uh, and that's a very important uh, part of the value of those rights. I have one last question for you here. Yes. Um, a little bit crystal balling here, right? And uh, Because you mentioned it earlier, you said you think maybe the this period of um, I know there was there was definitely you know rights fees were going down or were a bit distressed you know in many parts of the world because of new players coming in but they're not really picking up the pieces yet you know the revenue models were shifting um, do you feel that has that has really passed and and going forward now um, there is an upwards trend or what is it your general perception you know and this is really on a global scale right not just Europe yeah. even though where Europe is of course the stronghold yeah. because of uh, naturally where the teams are you know but UEFA or UEFA you know the euro is really a global property right you can watch it anywhere in the world uh, what's your, your thought on that what, what do you see there um, looking in the next I don't know five or ten years going out here Okay, f- first of all, uh, thankfully, uh, Euro, UEFA and C11 are working on very premium properties, yes. uh, like Euro, like national team football in your national country. So typically on that, uh, I have to say that these, uh, as you said, these, uh, these small hole or these uh, downgrade or discounting of the rights have not really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, premium premium properties are strongly resisting, even continuing to growing uh, against obviously smaller properties which are which are trade very strongly. So that's the first thing. To answer your question on a general basis, I think 
the arrival, the, the, the switch of business model, which is not finally done yet totally, right. uh, from a traditional broadcaster to OTT, but traditional broadcaster adapt themselves. If you look about ESPN in the US, yeah. with ESPN Plus, they are both an OTT players and a, and a traditional broadcaster, right. uh, as an example. And all of them are going in this way. Mm. You know, Discovery, HBO, uh, you have now that. So ultimately, I think the... The pot, the numbers of properties around the world which are attractive are not growing like hell. Right. But the numbers of people who wants to integrate, to, to, to jump on this market are, are bigger and bigger. Mm. So to answer your question, I think the, the past 10 years or five years were a period of instability about those the OTT are going to replace the traditional broadcaster. And the answer now is clearly no. It's not going to replace. Mm -hmm. It's going to 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 uh, carve out whole or mm -hmm. to carve out stuff and put, put potentially to take over some some major position of traditional broadcaster. But you know the stronger broadcaster, you know, like uh, you, we name Disney with ESPN, or we can name uh, you know a few others like Sky and others are not going to disappear at all. Right. They are going they just are going. They are just today continuing. Mm -hmm. To reorganize their business model in a way which is which is uh, which is uh, uh, which is in the, in the right way of the the evolution of the market, and I have to say I think I, I you know there is some type of rights which cannot go uh, you know but uh, at the roof, but in the meantime there is so many you know you cannot imagine so many discussions we have. Uh, with new players around our properties. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing. You know, ah, no pure, but, but historically, we have a discussion with two or three players on the market. We were happy if we have three players mm. in order to have a strong battle. Uh, today, we, are, we have a strong discussion with uh, five to six to eight players. Wow. You know, and, and all of them are very aggressive and all of them are, have big shareholders on the back. Mm. And so then uh, it's also the, the evolution of the, with the, the you know, uh, we, we, everybody speak about Amazon, uh, about Dazone and stuff like that. But on the back, you have the, the Apple, you have all these other players who are watching very carefully that. Right. Doesn't mean that they are going they are to jump on that, you know, but today, but they are monitoring their teams, they're spending a lot of time and money on that. Mm. So, Having said that, uh, I think uh, I, you know. I, I think the the there is more and more stabilization and reorganization of the of the market. But I'm not very scared about the evolution of that, those for a simple reason: uh, sports is live, uh, live is rare, and rarity is uh, gold right. or diamond. Right. So, and, and and for them. Uh, you know, and I, I'm amazed and I'm the first supporter of watching the uh, Casa del Papel on Netflix and whatever. But first of all, you have, everybody should know that it's a lot of money to build this type of, of brand and this type of IP. Mm. Uh, secondly, when you are creating that, nobody knows if it working. Right. When today in sports, when you broadcast the Euro or the World Cup or the, the, the Olympics, you are, it, uh, you don't know exactly, but you gain millions and millions of viewers and sometimes billions like the euro, which yeah. have bypassed, which have overpassed the 5 billion viewers during the last year. Yeah. So you can imagine the power of those brands. Yeah. 
in 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 the and it's perhaps one of the last perhaps one of the last elements which are which are federate everybody mm. you know everybody are rem- you remember the last time you watched the final of german team uh, and the winning team in uh, 14 you remember Absolutely. perfectly where you were with whom you were Absolutely. and i think that's that's for me that's the power of uh, of sports and is in particular of premium sports yeah. so again you know, uh, but we are very humble and, and, and careful and monitoring that very carefully. But uh, I'm not pessimistic, pessimistic at all, even the opposite of the evolution of that. You know, yeah, yeah. perhaps yeah, we will right. change clients, perhaps we will change partner, or ultimately uh, UEFA and uh, UEFA and the Euro or other big properties will always find their the right partner. They'll find a home. Yeah, no, no, and I, I would agree with that. I think it's great to hear of um, someone like yourself who is so deep in this, of course, and, and sees these conversations. And as you said, you know, that it's gone broader. I think that's also a great sign, right, that it's no longer just the two or three main broadcasters, but there are many other platforms now who you would be bringing into the conversation. And, you know, competition is always what drives our industry, right? At the end of the day, that's what drives rights yeah, exactly. up fees and, and, and keeps the numbers stable. So awesome. Stefan, I think this was amazing. I think we had a great, amazing journey here through your career. Um, and of course, hearing really some great insight into into UEFA and you, your relationship as there, as CAA, as their main agent for all their national team activities and how it works and, and how you guys work closely together and how you guys pulled off this amazing Euro 221. So first of all, congratulations on all that. And second of all, thank you for sharing. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. No, thanks. Thanks to you and uh, for uh, thanks to you because I think it's a very interesting exercise, even for me <laughs> and for, uh, for everybody. And uh, again, thanks for hosting that very professionally, and uh, thanks for your help to to help me to drive him back in my memory. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, not- every day easy and again i hope to see you very soon on uh, physically you know definitely <laughs> i hopefully exactly either it's switzerland or somewhere in paris or yeah. london soon exactly Absolutely. okay thanks a lot marcus and Thank you, uh, okay see you soon bye bye The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Lure Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Lure. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.